0: Welcome to the Beyond Birth Podcast. Join us each week as we take the conversation of motherhood beyond birth. I'm your co-host Liz Winters, a nutritional therapy practitioner, certified pre and postnatal coach, BirthFit Regional Director, and mama. I'm joined by my friend and co-host Jenny Anderson, mama, doula, and fellow BirthFit Regional Director. Our hope is to inspire, educate, and empower women as they navigate pregnancy, postpartum, and parenthood with evidence-based guidance, informative interviews, and entertaining anecdotes from our perspectives as moms, entrepreneurs, and birth professionals. While you're listening, please keep in mind that the information on this podcast is for general purposes only and should not be considered medical advice. Thanks so much for joining us. Let's dive in. Should I do it right now? Please. Oh my gosh. Well, welcome to the Beyond Birth podcast. We don't actually have to introduce ourselves because we have that pre-recorded intro that introduces us every single time. Oh gosh. Things we don't think about, but that's okay. We're catching on. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Newbies, Mm -hmm. but we're real fun. (laughs) (laughs) We are. It's true. It's totally true. Um, So today, Jenny, we're talking about building a birth team. Right, that
1: birth team. Yes, yeah, be having um, an active role in building our birth team. Right, right, because I think it's come up in a couple episodes about how we really can't
0: and shouldn't just rely solely on our midwife and our OB during pregnancy to be kind of that sole support system. So, who else should we be talking to and working with, and how do we find them, and yes, all of those fun things. Yes,
1: all of those kind of factors. Know what we didn't know when we were first. Have a babies. All the babies. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to icebreaker this. Yeah. <laughs> I'm <gonna> icebreaker this. I'm going to icebreaker this. <laughs> Throw on that ice your way. You're going to break it. Boom. Um, this is going back to Liz's brawn, by the way. She's real strong, you guys. If you could sit on a bench in a beautiful woods, who would you like sitting next to you on the bench and why? And exclude immediate family members as obvious choices. That's really deep. <laughs> <laughs> I think it gets real tricky when we, when we eliminate immediate family members, you're like, whoa, okay. Hey, this is like really heavy. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Cause it's not like, who would you take to a concert? It's like, you're <laughs> in the most beautiful woods you could possibly imagine there.
0: And who would I want to be sitting with? Yeah.
1: I think. Who's keeping the peace
0: with you? Who's
1: keeping the peace? Yeah.
0: Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to give a shout out to my, my friend Lucia. Cause oh. I think that like. She and I have navigated many a life journeys together. (laughs) She's the essential omnivore. We can link to her. She has a beautiful podcast. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. But she's just, you know, she's really just a good human to be around. And I enjoy her company. So that's probably who I would choose. If I have to exclude immediate family,
1: she's kind of like immediate family, but. Right. Right. (laughs) She falls outside that category. Lucky. Right. Right. Yeah. I think like, kind of like I mentioned, like, keeping the peace is yeah. in a beautiful woods. That's what you kind of imagine, right? Like you don't take your three-year-old nephew who likes to bang <laughs> in beautiful woods. Um, so I think that that, I picked that icebreaker on uh, question on purpose because I think that that the answer and the thought process goes a long way to kind of establishing who you want at your birth, assuming of course, that I would assume most moms want a somewhat peaceful birth you know, they're kind of looking for a more, um, relaxing, calming environment than wild and crazy and, you know, drums banging sort of thing.
0: Oh, I love that. And you know, what's funny, you know, we're talking about Enneagrams, I think it was the last episode, maybe two episodes ago, her Enneagram type,
1: this is how well I know her. She's the peacemaker. She's a nine. Get out of town. Isn't that so funny that you know her, you know, her personality type. Yeah, I know. (laughs) Oh my God. I'm going to have to send this to my, my best friend and see if I can guess what she is. <laughs> um, what about you? Who would sit next to you? That would be the one I just mentioned. Kate. Okay. Um, so she was my roommate from college and we live apart. She lives down in San Francisco right now. And she's just the person that I can be 110% myself, but also not have any need to actually fill any of the space. And I think that, um, without even intending to, I kind of explained like I think as women, um, and definitely not all women, but I see this as a trend for moms that I take care of as a doula, that when they go into the labor room, the delivery room, assuming a hospital, um, where it feels like there's more factors that are not like a home, home birth, you know, there's a nurse coming in and out, there's doctors coming in and out, etc. There's like this need to tend to the energies in the room and to people in the room and to is everybody okay? I don't want to put anybody out. I'm they're kind of really concerned with being nice and likable and making sure everybody else in the room is is doing okay. Um and actually that my doula instructor referred to it as attend and befriend um urge. And so I think that that really inhibits women from letting go in labor and if they can um make sure the people in the room don't need them. Like if, if there's somebody else in the room, whether it's your a friend, a really good friend, but if that is the kind of friend that you love to go out to a concert with, you love, love to go out to the bar with, but she needs your energy to kind of feel good about what's going on, she's not the right person in the birth room. And so Kate, the one in the beautiful woods with me, is somebody that I don't have to tend to. Like we can sit there completely, who, exactly who we are and never have to, you know, are you doing okay? Is she happy? Is she liking this? Like, no, I'm hundred percent genuine myself. And I think that that's the kind of person you need to have in birth.
0: Oh my gosh, I totally agree. And I think it's such a gift to have those friends that you don't, you don't feel like you have to tend to, I think tend, tend to, I like, I like the way you phrase that because of course we, we care and we take care of all of our friends, mm-hmm. but tending to them is a, is totally different. And I feel, I feel really lucky that I have a solid crew of especially strong women in my life that I, that I don't have to tend to, where you can, you can have that quiet kind of sacred space together. So, I mean, there are several people I would probably take to the woods. God, that sounds so weird. <laughs>
1: Can I just eat those words back? (laughs) (laughs) That's our other podcast. Liz (laughs) flashes people in the woods. It's fine. Yeah, it's fine. Um, No, I really think that the tend is, and, and not to say that those friends are not valuable at other times because it's a really beautiful part about women relationships is to be there to support each other and tend to each other when we all need it. But laboring women need to be the one who gets to be tended in that moment. And so that's a really important theme to think about as you're meeting, interviewing, researching, talking, getting personal references from other people. How does this person make me feel? Right. And who, I was, <laughs> <never mind. laughs> like, birth,
0: <laughs> Perfect. Birth, you see all sides. So you need to just kind of be really okay with that. <laughs> really
1: okay. Well, really. have you ever heard the analogy of, um, I think it was a, I mean, basically like a dear Abby letter where the pregnant woman said, uh, you know, dear Abby, my, my husband's mother wants to be at the birth and he's really encouraging this. And do you think that that's, that's okay? And Abby replied with, sure. Tell your husband to lie spread eagle, naked and do a bowel movement in front of your parents. And if he's cool doing that, then yes, his mama can come watch you do it. Was oh that- my God. <laughs> But seriously, birth it's, is it's fantasy. It's very true. It's very true. You get very vulnerable in birth, physically, Absolutely. emotionally, mentally, and and you have to feel safe just being open like that. I mean, physically and
0: emotionally, right? Because yeah. all of that impacts how labor progresses. Yes. Um, okay. So we're talking about a birth team mm-hmm. and I, I grew up playing sports. Yeah. So I was, I was a volleyball player too. I'm not nearly as good as you, I imagine, but. I was a really
1: good. Never seen me play. You have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> we should play together sometime, but. I I'm, I'm feel like we should establish some uh, levels. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm thinking when I think
0: birth team, I can't help but think of like, <laughs> like your cheerleaders and your coach and you're like people cheering you on. And so let's maybe talk about, you know, the similarities and the differences and like what, what actually a birth team might be.
1: Yeah, for sure. I think if you follow any professional athlete, um, on any sort of social media these days, they, be, they become really transparent that it takes a team to make them operate and that their team is not just my agent, my coach, and my teammates. They get really specific that, no, I have a, a mental health therapist. I have a body work therapist. I have a nutritionist who works with me. I have a meal delivery kit. I have like, they get really specific that, that every part of their uh, life that contributes to them being an athlete needs support. And I think that if we compare that circle of support for the athlete to a mom's circle of support for her, I'm going to say event, but I'm probably going to regret using that word, but for her event, I think then what we recognize is, is this is not mom being demanding. This is not a mom being uh, spoiled. This it, this is achieving a community goal of wellness for the mom and wellness for the baby and a a happy outcome for both. So yeah, I love that analogy. I think
0: it's so smart. And to really understand that, <laughs> I think when we're looking at anybody's success, like you and I were just talking before we started recording about, about business and being a small business owner and how it's, it's kind of daunting, right? But that none of us do this alone, right? And in the same way, like, like motherhood shouldn't be done alone, any, any portion of it, pregnancy, postpartum, it, you're, never, you're never having to do that alone. And so you build up this team or the support system around you. Um, and so we call it a birth team when you're talking about the actual labor and delivery event. But, um, I'm curious, who did you have on your birth teams and did they change
1: pregnancy to pregnancy? I'm going to tell you about that in just a second, but to back oh, it up, do you yes. define a birth team as somebody that just handles the actual birth or do you cover kind of that pregnancy to, um, immediate postpartum also? Cause that's kind of how i how i envision it so definitely let's make sure we're talking about the same thing yeah so i i
0: i agree i would call it like
1: pregnancy into that immediate time postpartum gotcha um so for my birth team it was um it was very shallow i did not do my research um and i'm i'm i wouldn't say i'm embarrassed to say that but i definitely uh, wish i had done differently knowing now what I know. And so I'm hoping that this information gets to some people who might be able to learn from that, that um, just lack of information at the time. So in my journey of being pregnant with, I'm trying to think of with my first pregnancy, I had an OB, I had an ever rotating uh, office staff, which drove me crazy. Um, I did not see a chiropractor. I had, you know, I did have a, a quite a number of yoga teachers that helped me both with uh, physically staying in my body and moving my body, but also it was kind of like meditation and motion and that was really nice. So that was more of that of that mindset piece. And I did not have a doula. I had my husband and my mom and um they were lovely but not doulas. And that was that was it for me for for, for pregnancy and postpartum. And with Grace it was basically the same but with one less fitness trainer. So a little bit less movement. So not very robust. Not very robust. Um so you
0: had fewer people for your for your for Grace's birth than so for your for Mac's
1: birth? The the people in the room are basically the same. Oh, okay. Um, actually I take that back. Grace's was nurse, doctor, mom, husband. Mm-hmm. Um my older Mac was nurse, day shift nursed, night shift nurse, because they were on a transition, doctor, mom, husband, and three NICU nurses and the charge nurse because Mac had had some, um, heartbeat decelerations. So it was a whole party and I didn't know it any different. I'm like, Oh, there's half the, pff, the floor staff is in here. <laughs> yeah. So, so graces with four people felt incredibly intimate. Right. And so th- those are, those are all
0: the people that were at your birth, but what about postpartum? Did you have any support team there?
1: No, no, I was convinced that I needed to hole up and do it myself. And so rather than um, reaching out and, and asking people for help, I just said, I can do it myself. And if somebody shows up and wants to help me, sure, I'll let them. And that was, um, that came from a lot of fear. And it came from a lot of um, wanting to prove myself, I I guess. So it, it didn't come from a really great place in terms of preparation, but I know that it came from a, my heart felt that way. So I don't kind of Begrudge myself that decision, but nobody, nobody, and especially when I had the loss and I had the baby in between, I had nothing. I had nothing, and that was really the part that that shed light on that that need. Yeah i i
0: I can't I can't imagine. <laughs> yeah, that navigating that without a support team can be um, really, really, really terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, what about during your pregnancy? So we have people that were at your birth. Mm-hmm. So during pregnancy,
1: you had your OB. Did you have anybody? Um, not, not really not. I mean, I didn't see, so, I mean, we can talk about, I guess, some of the different kind of people that, that people see some of the different kind of professionals that people see. Um, so I had originally wanted a midwife. at some point I'll tell you my whole journey story of, of being a mama and birth and such, but I had wanted a midwife and high risked out of midwifery care. So, uh, had my OB was really comfortable with him and had a good relationship with him. And, um, that was, he was my person for pregnancy. He was somebody that I felt like I could reach out to and talk to and whatnot. Um, but he, I did a lot of research on my own (laughs) for sure. And so he was, yeah, he was kind of it. Yeah. Wow. I did, I did interview one doula when I was pregnant with Mac and I just didn't jive with her. And rather than, um, I, what I should have done is just treated it like kind of speed dating. I should have dated her a little bit and I should have dated a few other ones and I should have found the one that I really wanted. But I kind of panicked and was like, I, I took her as, oh, this is what a doula is. And that was kind of the wrong choice at the time that's so
0: funny. I think speed dating doulas would be so helpful. And actually doula love the, um, one of the places that I teach at in, in Portland does a doula. I I believe they do a doula, like a student doula speed dating night. And so you can kind of get to know everybody because it's so like we were talking about who do you want to sit on that bench in the woods with? Well, you need to have like that similar comfort level and trust level with your doula. And that can be really hard if it's somebody that you, that you don't know. Right. Um, we, we hired the first jewel that we interviewed. (laughs) I bet that's pretty common. Right. Laura was like, yeah, you seem nice. That's great. Let's do this. She she was wonderful. She did a really great job. And I think we were actually her first, um, her first, like she, her first like full birth. So she had been like shadowing everybody. And then we were her first like real run. So that was, that was fun.
1: Yeah. Did she give you a discount out of curiosity? Probably. Mm
0: -hmm. I don't, I don't remember. To be perfectly honest, <laughs> because this is this is with Edith's birth because right. our team, if I'm thinking back to Edith's birth, we um we had an I had an OB she was she's a certified nurse midwife. um so we were doing a planned hospital birth. Um, I had never done or I know I had done chiropractic care, but I didn't do any of it during pregnancy, which I definitely wish that I had. Um, but I had a massage Thank therapist. You. And a massage therapist because I had really excellent insurance at the time. So I could go get a massage every month for a reasonable price. It was awesome. so wonderful. Um, if you count my CrossFit coach, she was awesome. She helped me through that first one. Um, who else? I mean, we had like all the nursing staff at the hospital and then the, the different midwife at the hospital. Because that's kind of the tricky part with midwives is like you have somebody for your entire care experience. But once you get to the hospital, you have no idea who you're going to see.
1: Completely. I, I mean, I think, I definitely think that's something that moms need to understand as they walk into, um, an OB office is mm-hmm. that you're, you might really connect with doctor number one, but you might have doctor number seven at your birth and right out of your control.
0: Yeah. And so one of the tricks
1: that we actually,
0: this is out my sister's suggestion was, um, I would, go in for not necessarily stress tests, but, um, especially towards the end of my pregnancy, if I felt like low fetal movement or, um, you know, something felt like something was kind of off or I was having contractions, I would just go to the hospital. Even if I didn't really think I needed to go to the hospital just because I wanted to meet the other OBs on rotation or the other midwives on rotation.
1: Mm -hmm. Um, because
0: with Kaiser, we, we would always be basically be guaranteed a midwife, which was great.
1: And did you, so your office, this midwife's office did not let you make uh, prenatal appointments with other providers. Cause I do know that in town, you can do that. And Bend, the two OB offices will let you schedule different prenatal appointments with the different doctors so that you can meet them all and at least shake their hand before you're in labor.
0: Um, that is potentially an option. We chose to stay with the same person for, um, just cohesiveness of care. Totally. Um, because I feel like every time that we would walk into a meeting and if I had a new person there, I would have to start from scratch because yeah, they'd have the charts, but it was very clear that like they weren't spending a ton of time reading them. Um, and this, I should clarify, this is with my first pregnancy. My second pregnancy was very different. Um, and so I think that just having the same person that I knew I was meeting with week after week. And I knew that she had the, at least the potential if I delivered on a Tuesday, Thursday or any, every other Sunday, (laughs) 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 she was going to be on rotation. Um, so I had that chance. And then the other practitioners that were delivering at that hospital didn't work out of the clinic that we were
1: going. So I didn't really have an opportunity to meet them unless Mm -hmm. I went to that hospital. Gotcha. That makes Uh, sense. Yeah. We should definitely go into that and maybe in a future episode all about kind of, um, how to make the most of the care you're getting from your primary provider over your midwife.
0: Right. Right. Cause it's, you know, sometimes you have to really work, work with the system. Um, if you're yeah. in, if you're in a big system, especially like Kaiser. Yeah. Um, and then I guess, well, I mean, so my birth teams looked a lot different for yes. my first and second pregnancy, mm-hmm. I think because I had started working with birth fit that same year that I got pregnant with Elliot. And so I was like, I'm going to do
1: all the things.
0: It's <laughs> so like really like piled on the support. Cause with the first pregnancy, my doula offered postpartum visits, but I don't know if you experienced this, but I, when she came over for that first postpartum experience, and I don't know that I've ever told her this story, she picked up Edith and I almost lost my shit. (laughs) I got like mama bear instinct because Edith was crying and she was kind of a fussy baby um, because we had a, we had some like latch issues and I just could not handle somebody else touching my child. (laughs) Did she ask you first before she picked up your baby? Oh, I'm sure she did. Like, she's considerate. She knows. But I just could not handle the reaction. And so, like, I mean, I own that. I own that reaction. And I don't don't really apologize for it because I I don't think I was rude about it. But I was just like, nope. (laughs) And that was, like, the extent of my postpartum support beyond, you know, my partner and my family. Because I just didn't know. I didn't know that postpartum doulas existed.
1: Yeah. Postpartum duels, and also just as a birth doula, I make two visits postpartum. Generally speaking, the first one's in the hospital right there thereafter, just to kind of like, is there anything specific we have to go over about what's going on in your body and and you know basic breastfeeding stuff. But the second one is a little trickier for moms to grasp as not asking too much. I literally go over and say, just sit down, put the like, sit down. Once a, once you've nursed, and the baby's fallen asleep, and you and I have caught up and whatnot. I'll take your dog for a walk. I will, you know, rock the baby if the baby just wants to be held. Like it's a very minimal, um, like, uh, like expertise sort of thing that I'm doing. And just much more of just to me, woman support a mom to mom support. And I find that I think mamas have that second postpartum appointment. It's just a little harder for them to like see value in or, or make it happen or, Feel comfortable doing it, or it's a it's a funnier one. So postpartum doulas are really there for that nitty gritty. Like I'm not getting sleep at night; I just need somebody to hold the baby, or I just need somebody to help me with the dishes every day. Or it's it's they do light housework. I don't mean to say they are a full on um, housekeeper, but I I think there's a little bit more of um, awkwardness there. Not sure.
0: Well, you have to be comfortable asking for help, and I think because the message is so often you know, be strong, be independent. You can do this. And we're, we're told maybe not directly that like, we're supposed to go it alone. And that there's some sort of, you know, prize for going it alone and being like, look, I did this all by myself. I'm like, right? No, man, come on, come on. Right. So this time around, we, we hired a postpartum doula. Um, we didn't really get to, we could, I could still use her, but um, you know, like we, we set that whole that whole team up for that, like that postpartum support. That's what I really focused on with the second pregnancy. It was like, how much postpartum support can I get here? Because it's so incredibly important. And I think one of the most vulnerable, vulnerable times.
1: Yeah. And unpredictable. Like you're just like, I don't know. Is this going to be a fussy baby? Is this going to be a chill baby? Is my older child going to adapt? Okay. Right. How am I going to get through labor? What if I come out of labor with some, you know, being more physically uncomfortable or s- more sore this time, or my tailbones throbbing every day, whatever it might be. Right. Right. Um, I heard tail for a second and I was like, wait, what? <laughs> I was like, wag. Huh? The, yeah. New things happen when you have a baby,
0: <laughs> you guys, things happen on there. Things that happen, that weird things. Before. <laughs> but I guess I think just from sharing our own experience, it sounds like, like birth teams can really look different for everyone. Yes. You know, I think we're going to go into, you know, potential members of a birth team but it doesn't mean you have to have all 50 of these people. We don't actually have 50 on this list. But, like, you don't have to have all of these people on your list, but it's really kind of assembling, like, a really solid crew to make sure that you're, you know, physical, spiritual, emotional, and, you know, just life needs are met during this really kind of vulnerable time, you know, that is fully pregnancy, post-birth, and, and postpartum, like those kind of three stages.
1: Right, and I would really encourage anybody who can to research and look into every single one, because sometimes it's not actually the service they're providing, but the energy they're providing. So if you, you know, are are like, well, I don't have the time or the resources to do both a massage therapist and acupuncturist and a chiropractor and a nutritionist and you, but you meet with one from each group in your community and there's the nutritionist just makes you feel like a million bucks and makes you feel safe and listen to, and she reaches out to you and you feel like asking her for help is something different than asking the chiropractor who was probably a very lovely human being, but just didn't jibe with you. It's, it's deeper than just, Oh, are they giving me the nutritional information I need? Or are they making me feel supported? So finding the person in your community that makes you feel supported.
0: Right. Because a lot of, I think, at least with my experience, and maybe I, this sounds kind of similar to yours, <laughs> a lot of, Your appointments, at least my appointments with these various providers, you know, you're just talking shit through, right? So it's not necessarily like the act of getting adjusted or getting a massage or talking about, you know, ways to optimize your fuel through pregnancy. It's really like feeling like you're heard and
1: supported, and who can provide that for you? And that, like, the weird things that you come up with when you're pregnant or postpartum, that you are are feeling unjudged when you bring them up. Like I'm gonna ask a really weird question. Never mind, never mind, never mind. I can't, I just can't. He's I just he won't, you know, I don't feel comfortable doing it. I I, I think that there are people out there that will let mamas feel, yeah, I'm totally gonna ask Jenny this, <laughs> you know, or I'm totally gonna ask my new nu- my nutritionist or my chiropractor this. So finding those people. Right. And I love
0: I honest I have to be honest, I love being that person for people. Like I love getting their random texts that are like So kombucha, is that okay? (laughs) And and like she could totally Google it. Right. But I just like love being that like source because I know that like that kombucha conversation is also going to lead to like the anxiety around early pregnancy and just being able to share that story and like share that space. And it's not even that I'm providing any kind of solution. It's just that listening ear and like sending that out into the universe and knowing that somebody else on the other end cares and is listening.
1: Yeah. Oh, and I'm sure we all had those, that person, I had a very good friend um, when I was pregnant and she was pregnant also. And we would ask each other the questions that again, we could have found on Google, but having the other person tell you like, no, that makes total sense. Just do that. Felt, you felt like you weren't in charge a hundred percent of your own crazed mind or, you know, kind of like, I'm not sure. Am I, oh my God, I don't know which, which article to read. That's, that's right. And so yeah, just finding those people to, to bounce ideas off of, to feel like you could just communicate and ask is so lovely. And I also love those phone calls and text messages. And I'm frequently introducing myself as TMI Jenny so that I hope that people overshare with me because I feel like, like, no, tell me the full truth. I need the full truth. Not just don't sugarcoat it. Give me everything. So I love that. Right.
0: I like the text messages. <laughs> you won't believe I just vomited all over the parking lot. And I'm like, oh, morning sickness. <laughs> I hear you. I hear you.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> so rough. What about <laughs> looping it back to the birth team yes. or who you would like to sit on that bench within the woods? I love that you chose that for our icebreaker, by the way. Oh, I think well, thank
1: just,
0: you. Said it's such a good theme. Who are, who are our potential members of a birth team? I know you and I have mentioned a few, like your OB and mm-hmm. midwife, et cetera, but mm-hmm. maybe we can go through a little list here. Yeah. Go ahead. Oh, okay. I'm going to start. Well, I mean, your spouse and partner is, is kind of a guarantee, right? Or, I mean, maybe not a guarantee. Like your the non-birthing partner is, is a hope,
1: right? And it's not even there for everybody. And so recognizing that if you don't have that person, like I like to always clarify that a doula does not take the place of a spouse or partner. So whether or not you have a spouse or partner that or non-birthing partner, having a doula is a totally separate role to fill. If you, if you have a really supportive spouse or partner, the doula is still very helpful, but I know a lot of people opt just to go with their spouse or partner. I would say that if you don't have a spouse or partner who feels like they will be a hundred percent comfortable in the room or even able to attend the birth or, um, any of those factors that that's possibly another reason to have that constant support person that is a doula. So we don't even have to, you know, I don't, I don't mean to put my assumption that every partner is going to be able to right. uh, be there. Well, yeah, I mean, th- things happen, but also I think, Maybe repeat that again. That the the doula does not replace no. your partner, right? Whoever that might be. Yeah, it's a definitely a common thought. Definitely a common thought for people. Um, a doula is somebody who is there for constant support, and they are there um, primarily for mama, but they are also filling a role as douling, doulaing doula in for dads. You know, dads have fears going into births. Dads have questions going into births. Dads have. Um, they they want to feel, they want to understand better. And a doula can fill all of those, those ways. And I like to tell my doula clients, like in the moment that that baby is put on your chest after you've delivered, I don't need you to look in my eyes and gaze lovingly. Like I need you to look into your partner's eyes and gaze lovingly. So I'm not going to be up by your face, super close. That's when I step back a little bit. This is about me creating the space for your family on this really magical day. It's also the partner's, biggest day of his life. And so, um, a doula is not a replacement. And if your spouse gets a vibe from your doula that they're trying to be that partner. And unfortunately I think some doulas get a little, um, big in their britches, uh, go speed date another doula. Right. I
0: mean, or even just talk to him about the talk to it with the doula. Talk to it. Me. Talk to me. to me. I'm like, fire her and move on. <laughs> I'm like, or have an open conversation. Um, way to um, go mature with it, Liz. <laughs> I mean, it's fine. I didn't say that's what I would do. I would just be real passive and fester on it later. It's fine.
1: Yeah. And it's also important to remember that the spouse knows the birthing mama, the the doula, like in a way that the doula doesn't know. And so that is, I feel like their most beneficial part as a birth team is, is recognizing like mm, when she bites that lip or she's 10 step or she, I can tell by the way she's looking, she's scared or any of those things. That's incredibly valuable to the rest of the team.
0: Right. And well, when your doula hopefully is somebody that you would be meeting with through pregnancy so they can get to know you and some of those cues, obviously not as well as your partner. Um, but they can start to pick up on that. And also I think like we talked about in the last episode, sharing that love language or like that, the way you best receive support can be really, really valuable for,
1: I guess, the success of your birth team, right? Does that make sense? Completely. Completely. Like I always picture the Jerry Maguire movie of help me help you, (laughs) you know, help them help you in this situation. Be really clear and be really, um, provide them with all the information they could possibly need to be really successful.
0: I am recording, we're recording at my office today and I'm in a different spot. I just, sorry, this is a total tangent, but they're like mopping the floors right outside the booth right now. (laughs) And I'm like, it's one o'clock in the, like, why? Why? It's an an awkward time. (sighs) Okay. Well, sorry if you can hear that. It's mostly just distracting me. I highly, I highly doubt anybody can hear it, but. I can't hear anything at all. Oh,
1: good. Yeah. It's fine. I'm not freaking out. No, no, you're not. So let me dive into briefly the, the various options for a primary care provider in birth. Um, so we can have an OB, a midwife or a family physician. Family physicians actually have, uh, birthing privileges at various hospitals. Um, and definitely in the state of Oregon, check out your local, you know, um, network and whatnot, but knowing that it could be an OB, a midwife or a family physician and, and, A midwife can either be a certified nurse midwife, which is what you were talking about, right? Which is somebody who has a nursing degree and then went and got a, basically a master's in midwifery versus a, what they call a direct entry midwife. Um, And that's a certified midwife or certified professional midwife or a, I don't even want to say licensed midwife because that might be the wrong term, but that's anything other than a certified nurse midwife is going to be what you would call direct entry. So they do not have a nurse's degree. But they have this um, training in midwifery. That also technically is what you would call a traditional midwife. Um, that is just somebody who never got any official schooling, but perhaps um, what's what we're looking for. I want to say intern. I don't mean intern. That's the word, you know, like an apprentice. apprenticed with a midwife for years and, years and years and years and years and years. And you might see that more like in um, in cultures that have embraced a more um, like a midwifery care model kind of in their culture, maybe a little bit more. And then you can give birth at your um, at your house, at a birth center, at a hospital, and where you choose to birth will affect what providers you can use and vice versa. What provider you choose to use will affect where you can give birth. So recognizing that an OB is very, 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 very unlikely to um, go to your home. I think there's one in California I know of, and um, vice versa, not all midwives are allowed into hospital settings. To support birth, so recognizing that that relationship,
0: and it's really important. I think if you are planning on doing like a birth center birth with a midwife, to ask what hospital they have privileges at, mm-hmm. because in case something goes wrong, right? Because we're always planning. We're not focusing on the negative, the potential negative outcomes, but we're always planning for all birth scenarios. And there are several scenarios where you may need to be transferred for health of you, for health of baby, et cetera, to your local hospital. Mm -hmm. And you need to know if your birth team that you've assembled can come with you and if they have a good working relationship.
1: Right. And um, most often the top reason for transfer from a birth center to the hospital, do you know what that is? I
0: believe it's, um, isn't it maternal exhaustion? Yeah.
1: Yeah. So it's not that something went terribly wrong. It's, it's that mama said I would like an epidural and I would like some, some pain relief cause I'm tired and yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's another reason that it's not that the OB has to jump in, in that situation. If you find a midwife who does have privileges at the hospital, she can still be your care provider while you have the anesthesiologist present also. So that's a really nice thing. And unfortunately in Bend, none of our, um, midwives that have a birth center or do home births have privileges at the hospital. So they can only act as a doula once they walk through those doors. they have good working relationships with the hospitals? Hopefully. Some of them, we have one hospital and some of them do and some of them don't. I would say the vast majority do. Um, but in the past, let's say 10 years, there have been a few instances where there's been some pushback on each side and the birth world in Ben is actively working to repair those, those, um, channels of trust and communication. Yeah. So I think that's super important. That was one of
0: the reasons why we chose this last time to work with. Um, we worked with Alma midwifery in Portland because they had such a good relationship with legacy Emmanuel, which was our hospital of choice. And so we weren't sure if we're going to do a hospital birth or a birth center birth with this, with Elliot. And, um, I'm really thankful that we worked with Alma and I'm really thankful that they had a good relationship with legacy because we ended up having to deliver at legacy. But even through that care and then all of the, um, you know, postpartum after visits that we did with legacy, they're like, they were, you know, singing Alma's praises and like how wonderful wow. they are to work with as midwives. And I think just building that collaborative birth environment, birth professional environment is, is really awesome. Cause it's just, yeah
1: everyone wins. Yeah. And that keeps you at peace because you're not worried that there might be some disagreement that you have to, you know, I have to resolve this so that everybody works together for my best interest. No, you, you know, that kind of, you have that feeling deep in your heart and that's, what's important during birth. Um, so yeah, so doula. And so finding um, a doula in your community, I think that probably the best way, there's a couple of good ways. I think referrals, personal referrals, just asking around is a really wonderful way to get people that, you know, to give you their opinion, because now, you know, okay, I, I kind of get this, you know, maybe Susie's is a real type A person and she just loved her doula named Becky. And you're like, yeah, but I'm not type A. I might not like Becky. I'll meet Becky, but that maybe isn't the right person for me. And so that's kind of a nice filter. Um, your OB might have a recommendation, your midwife might have a recommendation and, um, doulamatch.com is a website that you can jump on and find doulas in your zip code radius. And they definitely have testimonials and information on them. So that's a nice, I think that's probably the best online resource. That's really cool. And a lot of, if you look in um, like your local city, like I know Portland has a few of
0: them. There are lots of doulas work often in collectives. Um, and so you can, like with doula love in Portland, um, they'll do a like a matchmaker test. So you'll talk about, you know, your style, you know, how you like to communicate. And we, like when we were doing our matchmaker for our postpartum doula, I was like, I'm really sarcastic. And I need somebody who can kind of keep up with that, Post-back. you know. And so I'm not super woo. Like I need like that kind of like that we can like shoot the shit. Right. And we'll also handle our crazy dogs. So like <laughs> just understanding that, you know, there's a lot more that goes into it. Um, so you know, learning how to match or how, having the resources to match, I guess, is helpful.
1: Yeah. And actually, Wendy at Dual Love is the one that um, kind of told me to encourage clients to find, to, to search within themselves, to find the personality that they want on their birth team. Is it sister, mother, grandmother, or friend? Um, what energy I love do you that. Yeah, and that really helps um, whittle that down. <laughs> well, let's find the best person for you, uh, the best vibe, that best that energy that you're looking for from that person. So that's yeah. another thing to think about.
0: That's a really cool I, – I, I saw this in the notes, your sister, mother, and I was like, oh, yeah, if your sister is a doula, that'd be really cool. I was like, no, no, no. <laughs> the energy behind it, that's so smart because all of those roles are so
1: very different. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. We should have Wendy on the show, by the way. Uh, it sounds lovely. Okay. Um, and the other, my other last note on the doula was to consider if you were going to do a home birth, and you have older siblings. Or you you don't have older siblings. You're you already have older children. To consider hiring a doula for those children. Um, birth can take a long time, and letting those kids have the attention they need while they're watching you go through this is um really I think the healthiest way for this to all happen. You don't have to be worried about their care, but they're also getting to interact and walk away in a really safe and supported way. So and it doesn't that home that doula doesn't actually have to be technically a doula, although doulas will do that, but it could just be the right person to manage that situation for a toddler or whatnot.
0: Somebody you can call at 3 a.m when you go into labor. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, you and have and that 24 hour access. Yeah, and who doesn't mind
1: being in a house with a laboring woman?
0: Right, right, and that's important, and it's an important question to ask somebody. Mm-hmm. And it's okay that if they don't, but they are not that person for that job. But. right, right. Okay, so who else? Who else could be on the team? We've got our, you know, primary care providers of some sort. You've got your doula. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the nursing staff at the hospital—that's kind of a given. Um, yeah, they're there. Or assistant midwives at the birth center, or or you know that team. But right. who else could be on this adventure?
1: So if we look at um kind of like what you and I have learned from the four pillars of birth fit, you've got fitness. So you're going to have somebody at some point who's either a coach, personal trainer, a yoga instructor, um, anybody who fills that hat that helps you move your body. They're on your birth team. They need to be aware of how you should be moving in context of whatever they teach. And they need to be encouraging you to find the other resources to fill Whatever information they don't have. Again, we always want to make sure that these people that you're working with, or that we're working with, excuse me, are uh, not egotistical. <laughs> They're not convinced that they have all the answers, right? I, I get kind of, you know, skeptical of people when they tell me they've got all the answers. So, um, yeah, finding that that person that's going to help you move your body—that's one person. Um, nutrition is the next pillar. BirthFit, so you definitely a nutritionist. Hey, Liz. <laughs> What up? It's so important, but really <laughs> hashtag spread <sprout> wellness, um, <laughs>
0: knowing how to fuel your body during pregnancy and postpartum, especially when you're nauseous or you're craving different things because you're building another human and your body is also going through an incredibly physically intense event. Yeah. You've got to know how to
1: eat well. Yes. So what many, so many layers to that. Mm-hmm. So many layers, so many layers to, to nutrition and fueling the body. Um then we can talk about bodywork uh professionals so massage therapist acupuncturist chiropractor um I have cranial sacral on there sometimes that's more particularly for a baby but having that as part of your birth team because postpartum baby needs some attention also is really important
0: another bodywork person would be a pelvic floor physical therapist
1: Yes. Which I recommend all my mamas
0: work with during pregnancy yes. and postpartum. And one of the most frustrating things I'm hearing in my postpartum class lately is that midwives, or not midwives, um, primary care providers after birth are telling, have told some of the women in my class that they don't want to refer them to a pelvic floor physical therapist because there's nothing wrong. Well, what? nothing has to be wrong for you to go see a pelvic floor PT. You've gone through an incredibly physically taxing event, regardless of how that baby came out—cesarean or vaginal birth, medicated or unmedicated. Um, your pelvic floor has gone through a substantial amount, amount, and so you know that rehab or at least assessment—a pelvic floor PT that will do an
1: internal assessment—is really important. I just was actually listening to something where they were talking about, and I know we could talk about PT physical therapy or public floor physical therapy, sorry, um, in depth at some other time. But the way that we have mama's birth nowadays is actually increasing a need for a public floor physical therapist. We they're on their backs, there's more use of the epidural, they're doing more forced pushing, there's there's just a lot of things that the public floor is not functionally not working as, as as it's functional best, I guess you would say. And so, um, regardless of what the OB can see, there has been some trauma, like you said, and there's been some movement, there's been stuff happening and having somebody look at it and say, this is where you're at. Let's take a snapshot. This is where you're at. And let's see if we can make it any better is like, who does that hurt? What, What, why does the OB need to be the person standing in the way of that? Yeah. And I don't, I'm not trying
0: to villainize OBs by any means. Um, it was just like a cop that kept that came up a couple times during my last postpartum series that they're like, no, they said I don't need to go cause nothing's wrong. And like you, you may not you know, need extensive rehab. Not everyone right. does, but it doesn't hurt to go in and, and see, like, don't wait until there's a problem
1: mm-hmm. to
0: get assessed.
1: Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Completely. And I think that um, not all insurance providers require, a referral for you to go to a public floor, a physical therapist. So knowing what you can do is maybe you can just go on your own. Um, so one that kind of didn't get brought up, but I think is important is more, more of like a primary care physician or a, your doctor or whatnot. Um, some people just don't have that before they get pregnant and having that person that you can talk to about hormone levels and just general women's health. health um ideally before you get pregnant ideally while you're pregnant ideally postpartum i mean just wherever you're at just go that's a, that's a good time to find that person and recognizing that um some doctors are able to care for you and your baby so your baby doesn't necessarily need their own their own specialized pediatrician and i particularly like that because like we've talked about the mom and baby being a dyad postpartum and being treated together and i really appreciated that when i went in for my baby's follow-ups with my naturopath doctor she was able to look at both of us and be like, how are you doing? How's baby doing? What's going on with this? It was, we were, we were treated as a team and I appreciated that for our care. That was important to me. I love that.
0: Yeah. And then, so we've got, we've got our primary care providers. We've got your OB, you've got your nurse, you've got like that general birth team, we've got body workers, got nutritionists. And then I think it's worth mentioning like some sort of mental health support. Right. So either working with like a a therapist or a licensed clinical social worker somebody that you can talk to because this is a massive life change, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Even even if it's like second, third, fourth pregnancy, it still is a big shift in your life dynamic. And so at least having that person that you can connect with that can offer, I think, that unbiased view, right? So you're not just unloading on your partner because – they're going to have their own opinion on what's happening and their own filter on the situation. And sometimes you just need to talk to somebody that's not sleeping next to you and snoring.
1: Yeah. somebody that's kind of removed from your immediate situation. And so they can kind of maybe with a, just a a different perspective on things can, can help. Yeah. Um, so as we're kind of approaching now, so this is all kind of pregnancy and birth. We have mentioned both pregnancy and birth for these, um, childbirth educator. I am a firm believer that everybody should be going to a, childbirth education class. And particularly in central Oregon, I'm all about them staying away from the, possibly don't take a childbirth education class at the place that you hope to deliver because you're going to be kind of sold a bill of goods. And, um, the, I think the recommended length of childbirth education classes is 12 hours. And the one offered at our local hospital is half that. And, and I really think that you that parents are not getting all the information that they, that they deserve and that they need. So finding a good childbirth educator in your community who offers classes that are long enough, detailed enough, get to meet other parents, get to hear other questions. It's a, it's a really important part of understanding what you're going into when you walk into birth.
0: Yeah. We did childbirth education for, um, for both of our pregnancies. So we did like a four week series for our first one and that was super helpful. And we did like the hospital tour as well, but we did a private, private class. And it was amazing because even as somebody who works in the health and wellness world and with our first pregnancy, I wasn't necessarily working in, in prenatal or postpartum care at that time. Um, it's amazing what I didn't know about my own body and what you can, what you can learn about pregnancy and what labor and delivery is going to look like. And then for our second pregnancy, um, we actually followed the birth fit prenatal series Mm -hmm. and that was incredibly helpful because the thing I love about that class and I I'm totally biased because that's the one that Jenny and I both teach. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, we love it. (laughs) We love it though. What I love about it is that postpartum planning aspect. Right. And then like the, the ability to go into the what if scenarios, because we did that a little bit in our first, in our first childbirth ed class, but it wasn't, um, wasn't a central point. And we spend like a solid, at least a couple hours on it in our, in the birth fit prenatal series where we're talking about like, okay, we all have our beautiful plan of what birth should look like, or we hope it to look like, you know, that glorious water birth at home with your children surrounding you and it's peaceful and serene and whatever the fuck you're thinking, you know, Um, but (laughs) something could happen, you know? And um, so having those tools to go, okay, like, well, what if this happens? How does that shift this plan? And understanding how that shifts things, being able to make that decision when you're not in the throes of labor is huge.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Having At least having gone through that that um, practice, that routine once of like, oh, okay, this is where my brain kind of goes here. And so the first time you're thinking about it is not in labor. In childbirth education, I would
0: argue that it is for any childbirth scenario. My, yes. my mom was telling me. <laughs> so I'm the youngest of five. Mm-hmm. And she, they took a childbirth
1: ed class of some sort every time. I love that. And actually you can find, I'm damn sure this is happening in Portland, if it's happening in Bend, but here in Bend, you can find childbirth educators who will, if it's your second or third or fourth or fifth baby, they will allow you to do some sort of abbreviated course. You know, maybe you don't have to go into what does an epidural look like? They're like, no, no, I know this. Can I jump straight, remind me again what my body's going to do, remind me again what the stages of labor look like, all that sort of stuff. So communicating with your childbirth educator and saying, this is my third pregnancy. What pro, what classes do you really recommend that I attend, et cetera, is, is an option. And it's so smart. <laughs> so smart. So smart. Um, okay, so going back to the actual labor, I, I know we mentioned chiropractor, and I just want to um, – reiterate, if I didn't already say, I don't think I did. Some of these bodywork professionals, such as a chiropractor will come over actually during birth and help you. Acupressure, acupuncture, massage therapy, chiropractors will adjust you during birth. And that can be incredibly helpful for a lot of women. That's not always allowed at hospitals. They have to have privileges at hospitals. And again, in Bend, we do not have privileges. Do we see a theme here? Sorry. Anyways, tangent. Um, But they can be incredibly helpful. So seeing if that's a possibility in your community. Might make a big difference for you and what your birth team looks like. Um, So, baby's born, and like we mentioned, we have a pediatrician. Maybe we have a cranial sacral for the baby, chiropractor for the baby, a a postpartum doula for mom and baby and dad. Mental health support continues throughout all that. And then I added on there a lactation consultant, um, a board certified IBCLC. uh, Recommended for everybody. Just call them and say, "I'm about to have a baby." due date, February 15th, put me on the calendar and your baby may be the Serena Williams of breastfeeding. Like, (laughs) okay. You still, she still has a coach. You still just need to get the, the lactation consultant in there and make sure that you're happy. Baby's happy. Baby's growing. All those things are happening and make sure that is a board certified. Just really make sure that they're, that they have the hours and hours and hours of training. I will say that a
0: lactation consultant can make all of the difference in a postpartum experience, all of it. Like, and a, and a good one, you know, we had that was something that turned around my relationship with Edith because we were having such a hard time nursing. And we finally started going to through this mother baby program where I met with a lactation consultant almost once a week. And it was free. A lot of hospitals have free mother baby programs for that first year postpartum, as long as you're, um, you know, in some sort of nursing relationship and Just having somebody look at how she's nursing, look at, you know, they're checking out your boobs, seeing what's going on, working with you, seeing how baby, but they can also help you, you know, find the right flange side size for your pump, which is something I had a um, lactation consultant actually came to my house this last time around um, and helped me get fitted with my, because I was fighting with my pump. I'm like, fuck this pump. Like pumping is already terrible. I was about to say, I mean,
1: I'm already fucking pissed off and hurt and just not in a happy place. Could somebody make this slightly better? Right. And so they can come over and make sure that everything is
0: working well and you can follow up with them and they can give you herbs to help with supply. It's just another
1: sounding board. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Completely. Oh, I love it. So I think we've hit everybody that we could think of. that possibly might be on your birth team, but this, you know, doesn't limit it again, finding the people in your world that bring you peace and just a couple thoughts about what not to include on your birth team. Possibly. This is not coming from a spot of judgment for, by the way, anybody. And if it ever comes across that way, we don't mean to be judgmental or tell you what you should be doing. Cause remember F the should, but these are things that we've learned in our experience as mamas and in the training that we've done. So this is just something that we hope that you consider and figure out whether it works or not for you. Um, going back to that mother-in-law, if you have a wonderful relationship with your mother-in-law and you don't mind her seeing you spread Eagle and having a bowel movement then, and she brings you peace and you don't have to tend to her by all means, by all means have her in that room, but don't ever feel obligated to have somebody in the delivery room that you are not a thousand percent sure should be there. Liz has her hand raised. Yes. Liz.
0: I'm muting myself because I'm <laughs> eating snap peas we're um, <laughs> going like on that same note. Your opinion can change during pregnancy and, and delivery and labor and all of that jazz about who you want in that room, yep. and that's okay. Yes, and so you might decide right now that that mother-in-law, like, yes, I want her there, and then she gets there, and you're like,
1: I do not want you here,
0: and mm-hmm. that is okay. And and just knowing that you can expect
1: that, yeah. And that actually brings up a good point that we didn't mention about the provider is you can change your OB in the 11th hour. I mean not in the 11th hour of labor, I'm saying week 37, go for it, change it. If that person is no longer serving your needs, all of a sudden he or she has told you that they're going to be on vacation and then that just throws in a, which they're allowed to go on vacation by all means, but don't feel that all of a sudden, well, now I'm in a situation I don't want to be in, but I feel uncomfortable asking somebody to change that or I'm supposed to be committed. Nope, nope. If it's no longer bringing you peace, then make the change. Because that level of peace impacts how labor and delivery go. Like how, how fast and how smooth that can go. Right. Um, so another thing not to bring on the old birth team, it would be, I like to say visitors, um, visitors versus helpers and this poor mother-in-law in in my head is just getting a beating. But if she's coming in and hi, does anybody need a snack and how are we doing? And is she really helping or is she just visiting? And the same goes for postpartum. Is she just coming over to visit and hold the baby or is she coming over to actually help you? And maybe that is holding the baby, but you're not obligated to accept visitors because visitors want to come. You are encouraged to find helpers and using the term helper as opposed to visitors. Oh, we're not accepting visitors, but you can come over and help at this time. Or, you know, asking for help, which I know is not always comfortable, especially I I struggle with that. Um, And then also trying to bar from entry people's opinions, people's fears, and possibly your own fears just keeping those in mind that that generally speaking the decisions that we make out of fear are diluted they're not pure they're not possibly working in our best interest they're just they're just not as strong right and i think that goes back to that that childbirth
0: education piece it's it's not just acknowledging like the you know the technical fears of what could happen right it's the mm-hmm. Emotional fears about what your relationship with your partner and your baby and your other kids are gonna look like after delivery, right? And if we're holding on to that stress and anxiety in the delivery room, it, it's gonna impact how birth goes.
1: Okay, we've talked about all of the potential, what we think is all the potential birth team professionals that you can have on your team. So now, if you were going to assemble your dream team, and I'm gonna loan it to four just for the sake of conversation. Who is on your dream team? What roles are on your dream team? Uh, and not our partners, right? Just per, like just the professionals. Yeah,
0: not not family. They're, they're more like a last minute choice <laughs> if they're behaving. <laughs> um. Uh, okay. Well, if I like based on my last two birth experiences, I would say a, a doula for sure. Because we actually didn't plan on having a birth doula this with um with Elliot's birth, but ended up having one my midwife came along to the hospital and she essentially served as one. Um, so a doula for sure because it, it was incredibly helpful. Um, a midwife oh man, there's two
1: <laughs> you're halfway there
0: have a biscuit <laughs> everyone's getting crowded. <laughs> um, uh, a lactation consultant 100% because nursing is just the most stressful part of postpartum to me. Um, and then I think a body worker of some sort. Um, whether that I did Cairo with this, with Elliot's pregnancy and massage with Edith's pregnancy. And I don't really, I really couldn't tell you if one was better than the other, but I think just having someone to like, make sure everything is aligned and moving in that right rhythm is really helpful. Um, And I kind
1: of also to like, just literally have hands on while your body is changing and growing and it feels different. And the OB or the midwife, the midwife might be better. My experience obviously was OB was not a lot of hands on. I mean, that just wasn't, didn't put my, didn't, you know, squeeze the shoulder here or there. Um, But yeah, just having literally somebody put their hands on you and kind of relaxing under that touch and letting your body respond positively to that, whether it's chiropractic adjustment, massage, whatever, it's just, I think um, goes deeper than surface level.
0: Yeah, I I agree. And I okay, I have to give you a bonus person is is like a fitness coach or some sort. Because I guess when we were talking about birth teams, I had never really considered that person as part of my birth team, but it it 100% makes sense.
1: Mm-hmm. But
0: that is I have that kind of support around me all the time and so I would continue that relationship mm-hmm. through postpartum and pregnancy because moving and food are just central to who I am. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. what about you? Who are your four?
1: Well, you kind of stole it. I mean, you nailed it on the head for me. Uh, I think that we also omitted the fact that you are your own built in nutritionist. So you've got six. There's that. I mean, sure. Six. I would say that I, my first one would be a doula. And I think that that possibly should be the best selling feature for a doula. If, if you needed one is to know that most doulas have doulas and that's really important to them that even though I'm a doula and even though I know what's going to happen, I I still need that person. I I still need that person in the room for me. So doula, for me, it's an OB. I'm high risk out of midwifery. So going to need him in the room. My lactation consultant, for sure. Both my girls were tongue tied in some sort and struggled with nursing. And so even though I feel like I've become more knowledgeable and I could do better every pregnancy and every baby, I still want them. I still need them. I need them. And the body worker for Sure, and if I had my two uh subs, it would be a coach and probably nutritionist, but that's just because I would call you <laughs> and talk to you about all sorts of different things that might always be nutrition. Yeah, you're kind of like mental health too. I Which mean, actually, I should mention that is that I go to therapy on a regular basis, so that is a built in part of my birth team is is mental health, uh, just like right. your coaching, yeah, uh, would be. So, so mental health is my one of my main subs. I love that. Um, so I know we've mentioned a ton of people and it can be kind of overwhelming,
0: right? I mean, I'm sure if somebody's listening to this and they're newly pregnant, they're like, how many, what the
1: hell are these women thinking?
0: Mm -hmm. Um, and so to make it a little bit easier, um, we've put together a little birth team checklist and it's going to be a little free download and it'll have a short description of all of these fun people. Cool. Um, and a little space to write a name for your birth team so you can... Download it and it'll be available in the show notes and ready and rocking and rolling. Yeah. Yeah. Take
1: some notes, date, date some people. Let's do some speed dating, everybody. And know that
0: there's, there's no wrong way to assemble a birth team, right? It's going to look different for everyone.
1: And, and the individual. So even though you and your sister had a doula, they're not going to be the same person because they're not filling the same role because you guys are different people. So not comparing yourself. Oh, there's a cool person to pick. Well, like, well, Susie didn't have a good experience, with Dr. Jones, well, that doesn't mean you might not have a really wonderful connection with Dr. Jones. So being able to feel empowered to make your own decision and finding people like a birth fit regional director who are familiar with a lot of these birth team providers can really help you get, um, facts and not kind of diluted with personal opinion and personal preferences. Right. Right. Awesome. I kind of, I kind of want a birth team for like the rest of my life. I know. Like, can I just have these people well, <laughs> I mean, Jenny,
0: po- postpartum is forever, right? That's so true. That is so, so true. true. So we can just have these people. I kind of want the entourage, though. Like The whole group. Just, like, the whole group. Well, I just, like, want the, like, <laughs> I would see somebody there at my beck and call. Not quite, like, servitude, but... <laughs> I mean, just to be like, you know what? I need a massage. I'm going to call somebody and I'm going to get in today right now, or just to have a nice assistant that would schedule that for me. Those are my life goals. Just fun
1: fact. <clears throat> but I think it's a good point, Liz, is that once we have this support, we recognize that it has a value deeper than just pregnancy and birth. Right. And I started to see the a chiro- chiropractor and now I see one regularly and yeah, I'm in postpartum, postpartum lasts forever. But at this point, it's more about just what feels good to my body and what supports my life. Right. And I. I think that maybe that kind of speaks deeper to providing ourselves with the, the resources that we truly deserve.
0: Yeah, I think pregnancy is this wonderful, like, gateway to accepting more help and accepting more, like, all of these things are really just supportive self-care, mm-hmm. right? Um, you know, if I had my way, everyone would have, you know, a coach and a nutritionist and like a primary care provider of some sort and, you know, working with some sort of body worker and, and then, you know, bringing on these other auxiliary support people when
1: appropriate. Somebody comes over just to tell you how great your boobs look. I mean, you know what? We could all use that sometimes. Ah, You have perfect (laughs) nursing boobs. Oh, thank you. I needed to hear that today. Right. (laughs) This shield fits you beautifully. Yeah, I have never seen a better pumper. Thank you. God, you know, I was just born this way. God, I'm just blessed. Hashtag blessed, flawless. Cool. <laughs> awesome, Liz. Well, um, sounds like we have hit everything that we hope to talk about. Hopefully, I feel like and then some. And then we really, some we could, we're gonna keep trimming this baby down. Nope, still hit that hour mark on the dot. And well. now we have to find some stuff to. Okay. Yeah, we're just really thorough we're really thorough Ma.
0: Mm-hmm. well my friend I'll talk to you later sounds great yay.
1: yay bye everybody
0: thanks so much for tuning into the beyond birth podcast if you love what you're hearing we'd be so thrilled if you'd subscribe rate and leave a review for our podcast wherever you enjoy listening until next time